Hello, friends. I'm Annie. And I'm Annie. You're listening to the Macros Universe podcast. Your weekly podcast for a dose of random facts, lightheartedness, health, and fitness, and everything under the universe. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Macros Universe podcast. We're so glad that you're here to join us. Um, Last week, we talked about macros basics, um, just kind of like a short breakdown. This week, we're going to talk a little more in depth with each macros, what it is and why we track and what is tracking. So first off, we're going to start out with our random fact of the day. Okay, this week is cows have best friends and get stressed when separated. Recent research from the University of Northampton has highlighted the human-like relationships among cattle. The research found that cattle have selective friendships and experience significantly less stress when they are hanging out with their mates. So Love what do you think about that, Annie? I mean, isn't that true for all of us? We, we experience significantly less stress when we're hanging out with our mates. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, it's interesting that they like have selective friendships because I mean, if you think about a lot of times we have friends, right? Well, and then and then let's go back to the word friends. I feel like there should be a broader like we need like more words than just friends, right? Because like you got the friends you went to high school with, and you got the friends in high school that you knew, and you got the like they're more acquaintances, right? You wouldn't, and then like you have like your best friends that you pour your heart and soul out. And then you have the friends where you like pretend to be friends, but you're like, secretly you wish you didn't have to hang out with them, that type of friends. I mean, they're all friends. So. <laughs> you but have, like the like, friend that your mom was like, you should be friends with this girl. And you're like, exactly. I want to, but fine mom. <laughs> or then you have your family members that you're forced to be friends with and forced to love them. Just kidding. I love my family. <laughs> But I feel like, like, there should be, like, and I just realized I'm saying the word like, 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 like a lot. <laughs> there should be more words that describe different friendships than just the word friend. Anyways. That's interesting. I don't know other languages well, um, but I do think that it's interesting that that there are, like, other languages have more words for things than we do. Um, yeah. So I, have, I have a friend from Brazil and I remember her saying one time, like, there's like, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting this wrong. So nobody quote me on this, but there's like 15 words for the word love. There's like the love you have for your child, the love you have for your spouse, but like love isn't just love. Right. But we're like love. Oh, I love pizza. And I love my husband. We, we all know that it means different things. Um, yeah. And, and so it's the same way with friends, right? Like friend means different things in different, in a different context. Yeah, totally. Well, and then like, it, it says that the cattle have selective friendships. Like how often do we like select our friends, right? Sometimes we feel like we have to be friends, but you know, if you think about it, if, if you're in a toxic relationship and your so-called quote unquote friends aren't really serving you, then maybe it's time to be a little more selective like the cattle so that you're happier. Right? Yeah. <laughs> How much do you feel like that's true for you now? Do you still feel like you have people that you feel like you have to be friends with? Cause I feel like that might've been a thing more when I was younger, but now I'm like, eh. I don't know. Maybe now I-, I just don't have friends. I mean, I'm a hermit at home the whole time. <laughs> it's like, what are friends? No, I'm kidding. I do have friends. But yeah, I feel like the older I get, it's cattles. They have selective friendships. And I think that's a good lesson to learn from them because we can always choose our friends, especially if you're in a toxic relationship. If your friends aren't serving you good, then it, you know, there's nothing wrong with finding better friends that will uplift you and help you feel more positive. Yeah. And I also think that it's a good reminder to be like, you know, if your expectation is that friends are uplifting you and serving you, then you better make sure that that's what you're bringing to the relationship as well. Um, I wonder how cows select their friends. It's interesting. Like, you know, are they like cows at the same spots? I don't know. <laughs> like, it's Which- interesting. 
which cow produces the most milk? (laughs) (laughs) You have pointy ears and you have rounded ears. Yeah, it it would be interesting to know, like, like, you know, some of the the science or whatever, but behind how they form that bond. Hey, there's your next research project. Anyone want to go get a master's or PhD and do the thesis on that? (laughs) On on how cows form friendships. (laughs) Maybe a farmer knows. I don't know. (laughs) That is hilarious. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's move on. So let's do a quick quick recap on what macronutrients are. So macronutrients are um, nutrients that you use in the largest amount. So macro means big that the body needs for energy and to maintain the body structure and system. So the most common macronutrients that we talk about are proteins, fats, and carbs. Proteins contain four calories per gram, fats, nine calories per gram, and carbs, four calories per gram. And that again, macronutrients are measured in calories, which is basically a form of energy. Anything you want to add, Annie? No, I think that's great. All right. So for our podcast this week, um, we're going to kind of break down each macronutrients a little more into detail. So I'll start out by talking about protein. Okay. What are proteins? Well, protein is basically, okay, fair warning. I'm going to get all nerdy and sciencey again. So. Yeah. And I guess maybe we should just kind of say that up front. Like this episode is probably going to be fairly scientific and nerdy. And so um, just, just be warned. Like it's kind of a crash course, deep dive into macros. Totally. And, you know, I'm a science nerd, so I love stuff like this, but not everyone is. So If you don't like this stuff as much, just kind of tune us out like you tune your parents out. Don't tell them I said this. Okay, (laughs) let's start out with protein. What are proteins? A protein is basically a chain of amino acids consisting of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and other compounds. Proteins are present in all living organisms and include many essential biological compounds such as enzymes, hormones, and antibodies. So proteins again, are made of amino acids. And so when more than one amino acid is chained together, it's called a polypeptide. Protein helps repair and build your body's muscles and tissues, allows metabolic reactions to take place and coordinates bodily functions. Proteins also maintain proper pH and fluid balance in your body. Okay. Anyone asleep yet? (laughs) Well, basically, long story short, proteins are very, very important to keeping our body running the way it's supposed to, right? So going on to proteins a little more, we have complete proteins and incomplete proteins, okay? So when you hear complete and incomplete proteins, basically what they're talking about is our bodies can produce some of the amino acids or remember basically proteins that we need to survive. Now, those that our bodies can produce, those are called essential amino acids, and they must come from the foods we eat. So essential meaning that we need it to survive, and our bodies can't produce it on its own, and we have to eat the protein. Okay, so of the approximately 20 known amino acids, nine of them And I'm not going to tell you the name. If you're interested, you can look it up. (laughs) I won't butcher them all for you. (laughs) Okay. Nine of them can't be made or modified by by the body and has to come from food. Okay. Um, And then any of the foods that contain these nine essential amino acids are called complete proteins. Any of the foods that's missing one or more of the essential amino acids, they are incomplete proteins. Still with me? (laughs) Okay, if I hadn't lost you already, let's just say, uh, so amino acids, they're basically like Legos, right? And polypeptides or proteins, they're just different Lego shapes that your body creates. And remember, amino acids are like the basic Lego blocks. And when you build those blocks together, you're chaining them together, you're making different types of protein. Now, when you eat a complete protein, let's just say that protein contains 
all the colors of the Legos, like amino acids that you need to build a Lego rainbow, right? So if you eat an incomplete protein, you're missing certain colors. So like maybe you're missing a yellow or a green to make your complete rainbow. So when our bodies have all the essential amino acids or all the Lego rainbow pieces, you know, it could build that complete rainbow, but it can also take down that Lego rainbow and build it into something else. Like if you want to build a rain rainbow rabbit or a gray and black jet plane, I don't know what you want to build. <laughs> you get the idea, right? Okay. Uh, Studies have shown that there are around 20,000 different proteins in our bodies or in Lego terms, 20,000 different Lego builds. I think it's amazing what our bodies can do. Anyways, that's um, awesome. asleep yet? <laughs> no, you're doing great. Keep going. Animal products tend to contain complete protein and plant-based products tend to be incomplete proteins, but it's not black or white because quinoa, buckwheat, and soy, they're actually complete proteins and collagen, you know, which is a source of protein is actually an incomplete protein. Yeah, good. And so just because a protein source is incomplete or complete doesn't make it good or bad. It's just that you kind of have to know if you're going to have an incomplete protein source, it would be good to pair that with something else to form that complete protein. Um, and actually, even with a vegetarian, that's one of the reasons like why rice and beans can be helpful because the combination of the two will make a complete protein source. And so just as that reminder, going back to that Lego analogy, when you have all of those pieces together, your body can build it into something that it needs. Um, whereas the bits and pieces, it's great. It's still part of the picture, but it's your body isn't going to be able to build in the same way that it would with that complete protein. Perfect. So how much protein do one need every day? The recommended dietary allowance for protein is 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. This is the amount that you need to meet your basic nutritional requirements or the amount recommended to keep you from getting sick. But just know it's not the specific amount you're supposed to eat every day because, you know, some people are taller than others. Some people weigh more than others. Right. So just because that's a recommendation doesn't mean that's, you know, a black or white. I have to eat 0.8 grams of protein pound of body weight every day. So for instance, if you want to find your specific recommended protein intake, it's going to depend on what your goals are. So are you looking to build muscle? Are you looking to lose fat, maintain your current physique? Are you a vegetarian or vegan? So all those questions, it's going to depend on the answer and your protein intake will change accordingly. So in general, the protein intake range can be anywhere from 0.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight if you're a vegetarian to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight if you're a bodybuilder or you're going through specific training. Yeah. So anything else you want to add, Annie? No, I think that's great. I think it's it's important to remember that um, yeah, there's the different recommendations depending on your goals. And then there's also keeping in mind, like what's going to be enjoyable for you as well, because maybe someone says like, Oh, you're trying to build muscle. You should eat around that 1.2 grams per day, but you're like choking down protein all the time. And that's not enjoyable for you. It would be better for you to find a range of protein that feels more doable than to try to choke down that 1.2 grams because you're trying to build muscle. Exactly. Totally agree. Hey, so now we're going to talk about carbs. So they kind of get a bad rap carbohydrates. Um, you'll notice on nutrition labels, a lot of times now it says total carbs and net carbs. So what your total carbs are is the total amount of carbs and in grams, right? Nutrition labels speak in grams of food, which works great when you're trying to macro count, because that's what you do anyways, you follow it by grams. So your total carbs are the total amount of carbs in your food and the net carbs is the amount of carbs in the food minus fiber. And one of the reasons that we, uh, we take out the fiber. So fiber is a form of carbohydrate. Um, it's a complex carb. So there's soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Soluble fiber turns to gel with water. It slows our digestion. Um, so it's like food, like lentils, oats, beans, barley, and then there's insoluble fiber, which adds bulk and it's not digested by our bodies, which is found in whole grains and fruits and vegetables. And so that's one of the reasons why we reduce that amount from our food is because your body doesn't actually digest. It adds bulk to your food. Like if you think of a piece of lettuce, like a piece of lettuce is a big 
item, but when you eat it, it gets really, really small. So your body doesn't digest this whole thing. Um, you just get a little portion of that. Um, and so a little bit more about fiber, it slows the rate that sugar is absorbed into our bloodstream. Um, it makes our intestines move faster. It cleans your colon. It acts like a scrub brush. And so we want to try and aim for, there's different amounts of this, but recommendation, again, kind of going back to what Annie said before, um, there's kind of the recommended amounts of fiber. So between 20 and 35 grams a day, it, it can be higher, it could be lower. Um, but if you are, particularly if you have carbs set lower, you're going to want to aim for a higher fiber intake per day to make sure that you're still getting all the benefits of fiber, helping to lean out your colon and do the things that it's supposed to do. Um, also, I don't remember if I said this or not, but helps your body, helps you feel full. Um, that's one of the things that it does. So, okay. See, so, so we can bust the myth where carbs are bad because fiber is the type of carb, right? Right. <laughs> well, and I think, I think carbs, carbs get a lot of bad rap for a lot of different things. And one of them is because like a lot of times when people think about a carbohydrate, they're thinking of like donuts or cookies or cakes or things along that, which yes, those are carbohydrates, right? Um, but fruits, vegetables, whole grains, those are also carbohydrates. So carbs are quick and easy source of energy for our body. Our body can break it really quickly into glucose. It's easy for our bodies to turn carbs into immediate energy for our body. Um, and so simple carbs are like an immediate boost of energy. They break down really quickly and complex carbs are a smaller dose of glucose over a longer time. They digest. So those complex carbohydrates are going to be your fruits and vegetables, which also have more of that fiber in them. So they're digested slower by your, your body. They keep you full for longer, but one way or another, carbohydrates are quick and dirty or quick and easy energy for your body. Um, and that's one of the reasons why our bodies need carbohydrates. We can use other things like protein or fat for energy in our body. It just takes, it's a longer process for our body to get there. That's one of the things that people will notice when they're doing keto, they can cut their carbs down pretty low and they still have energy. But a lot of times people will report what they call the keto flu, where they have really low energy for a few days. And it's because your body is switching systems used to using carbs. It's quick and easy for your body. It likes to use carbs. It burns through them super fast. Um, so anyway, just that's kind of like a breakdown on carbohydrates. Do you want to add anything? Love it. You did a great job. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. All about right. fat. We are going to talk about fat. And it's interesting because you know how we were talking about uh, in Brazilian, right? There's so many different ways to say love. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking um, in the because my family is from Taiwan. And so I speak Mandarin growing up and fat, like in the English language, fat is, has so many meanings, right? You know, you're talking about fat and foods, you're talking about fat in your body, you're talking about, you know, like how fat someone is, right? Like we use the word fat in so many different things, but in like Mandarin, the word fat has, there's like different words for it. So like when, when you're referring to someone who is like heavier in weight, like we'll say, um, oh, someone is fat, right? That's a common phrase that we hear. So in yeah. the Chinese language, it, the word that's used is pang, right? And then I just said, right, like you should know that. Come pang? on, Annie, you is should that know what that. You said? Pang? Pang. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, and then, okay, so pang is like someone who's, you know, a little heavier, but when someone is obese or like when they're when you're talking about like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like pork fat, like that thick layer of fat, the word that's used is fei or feyo, like a fat oil, right? So it's just interesting how, you know, anyways, no one probably cares about this. No, I think that's super interesting, but that does bring me back to the original. So is there other words for love in Mandarin or does it, is it like love? Is love love or is there like, love of a child, love of a spouse, love of food, whatever, you know, there probably is right okay. now. I'm drawing a 
blank, you know, because um, when you say I love you in Mandarin, it's what I need. So I is love, you know, and if you say I like you, it's because means me and then me is you. And so love generally is I. But I'll have to think about that and come back to you next week. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah, have to put the, any of this in the no, podcast. No, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things that's been so interesting to me throughout, like learning stuff about transformational coaching anyway, is language, yeah. right? And, and yeah. the words and the meanings that we associate to words. So anyway, that's a different podcast for a different day, but... Just interesting to note that even throughout this podcast, there are several different words that we've talked about that we have several different meanings for one. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, we should, we should do our next podcast on mindset. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that more on language and mindset. That's a, that's a good idea. Okay. Back to the topic on hand. (laughs) I am going to talk about fat in English, not in Mandarin. Okay, so what are fats? And once again, this might get a little technical and sciencey, so bear with me or go to sleep. Your choice, totally. But fats are also known as fatty acids or lipids. Fats are made of three molecules joined together called triglyceride, which are made of hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. And it's called a triglyceride because of the way fatty acid is shaped. So I like to think of it, you know, very overgeneralized as a three-legged jellyfish. So you got the head, which is made of glycerol or glycerine. And then you have three chains of fatty acid, you know, jelly legs that you can call it. And then just like protein, our bodies can make some fat, but the ones our body can't produce and can only be obtained by eating, they're called, can you guess? Essential, they're essential. There you go. Essential fats, right? Just like essential proteins. These are essential fats. Essential fats include omega-3, which is commonly found in fish and flaxseed, and omega-6, which are found in nuts, seeds, corn oil, etc. Okay, so let's go to why do we need fat? Okay, we need fat because it helps keep our skin and heart healthy. So, you know, smooth skin, that's, that's a big contributor, you know, if we have enough lipids in our skin. Uh, fat helps with vitamin absorption, like A, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. So all of these, our bodies can't absorb unless there's fat involved. Unsaturated fats also help lower levels of LDL, which is a type of cholesterol. And fat also adds flavor to our foods and keeps us feeling satiated after a meal. Any fat that's not used by your body cells or turned into energy is converted into body fat. Likewise, unused carbohydrates and proteins are also converted into body fat. So there are three main types of fat in the foods you eat. So the first one we have unsaturated fats. They're plant-based fats, commonly known as quote unquote healthy fats and are liquid at room temperature. The second type, it's saturated fats. These are animal-based fats, commonly known as, quote-unquote, unhealthy fats, and are solid at room temperature. And the third type is trans fat. And these, there are some naturally occurring trans fat. Most of the trans fat comes from commercially prepared processed foods, and they are also solid at room temperature. And I said, quote-unquote, healthy and unhealthy, because there's a lot of studies that show that um, saturated fats and trans fat are causes of heart disease and clogs your arteries. But there are also studies that are inconclusive. And it says that um, trans fat actually doesn't clog your arteries. And so my philosophy is, you know, when we label something as healthy and healthy, bad, good, you know, what oftentimes happens is that this guilt or shame comes into play, right? So just remember, you know, Food is food. Macros is macros. When you consume something, your body doesn't say, oh, no, she's eating bad fats and good fats and healthy and unhealthy. Right. I think if we like take all things in moderation, you know, like just to be watchful of how much and how much fats we're consuming. Right. So the majority of your diet 
if possible, should come from unsaturated fats. So once again, plant-based fats, you know, you have your oils that are liquid at room temperature, right? Olive oil, for instance, doesn't get solid. That's a type of unsaturated fat. Saturated fats, they're usually like animal-based fats, right? Because, you know, if you cook a piece of steak and then the leftover leftover oil, when it comes to room temperature, it solidifies, right? So it's interesting too, because coconut oil, right? You think coconut oil is the so-called quote unquote healthy fats, but coconut oil is actually saturated fat because when it is cold enough, what happens to coconut oil, Annie? Yeah, it solidifies. Exactly, right? So there's just, you know, we need to start shifting away from like, oh, this is good. This is bad. And just kind of, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning more information, you know, like looking at all the studies, it's great, but take it with a grain of salt and just remember all things in moderation at the end of the day. Okay. So fun fact, Hey, I, I really geeked out on this when I did my in-depth study on fats, nice. <laughs> but um, I was like, why are saturated fats called saturated fats and why is unsaturated? So saturated fats are called saturated because they're actually saturated with hydrogen atoms. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the chemical structure of fats or protein or carbs or any of that, Annie. Not really. I mean, it's something that I I, like little, little bits of knowledge, please. (laughs) I only took like a very basic high school chemistry class. And then when I was in college, I was like overachieving and I actually took like a really hard, hard biochemistry class. So I feel like between like learning the basic and cramming for like all the theoretical quantum chemistry stuff, like my brain's a little lacking in the chemistry department. (laughs) But (laughs) I thought this was interesting because um, so saturated fats, it's so tightly packed fats that at room temperature, it becomes solid. And like unsaturated fats are... um, less compacted so like going back to the hydrogen am i losing you is no you're good you're good i don't know like here's the thing we can get feedback from other people in the future they can be like hey that was too much or they could be like oh my gosh that was great (laughs) and i think that we'll probably have some of both and that's okay right now like let's just keep going let's just record well because i thought it was like so interesting right okay i'll i'll backtrack okay um okay so maybe i'll okay maybe i'll talk about this Okay, so what is saturated fat? Well, saturated fat are tightly packed fats, fats that are solid at room temperature because they contain no double bonds in their chemical structure and are known as saturated fats because their structure contain as many hydrogen atoms as possible and they are saturated with hydrogen. Now, unsaturated fats, it's a fatty acid in which the hydrocarbon molecules have two carbons that share double or triple bonds and are therefore not completely saturated with hydrogen atoms. So just to make it in layman's term, right? Just remember saturated fats are saturated with hydrogen atoms and makes it more tightly packed. So it's solid at room temperature and unsaturated don't have as many hydrogen and it's not as tightly bombed. And oftentimes they have different chains chains together and so it's liquid at room temperature and then um another thing that i learned was and we should talk about is under unsaturated fats there's also polyunsaturated and monounsaturated okay that's a term that we kind of hear people throw around a lot and basically what it is is monounsaturated just has a double bond and polyunsaturated just has multiple bonds, multiple chains of it bonded together. So that's why it's mono and poly. Have I lost you yet, Annie? Nope, you're good. <laughs> Anything else you want to learn about fats? I, I think that's pretty good. I guess maybe we mentioned this, maybe we didn't. Um, I know we mentioned it last week, but I think it's worth mentioning now. Okay, so protein has four calories per gram. Carbs have four calories per gram. Fats pack a bigger punch. They have nine calories per gram. So when you're calculating your macros, that you got you got to kind of keep that in mind. Um, and you're like Annie said, it's not like you you put in 
um, nine grams of unsaturated fat or nine grams of saturated. It, it's just the total fat content in the food. That's what you add in as your fat. Definitely. Oh, and I do want to add one more thing. Hey, going back to the trans fat. Well, if we know that trans fat is bad for us, why do so many companies use it? Like, why do companies create trans fat? Because remember, trans fat is mostly commercially produced. So why do companies use trans fat? Do you know? Annie? Um, my guess would be because um, it's not as expensive. That would be my guess. Yeah, exactly. So trans fats are very easy to use and in, in, inexpensive to produce. So think about like, if we think about if we want to label fat as good or bad, or, be, you know, better choices or worse choices, right? What type of fat would you say is at the top of the chain? Like your best fats? Like avocados, nuts, those are like the good, the good fats. Yeah, exactly. Fish, fat. Fish oil, amino, um, not amino, uh, omega-3, omega-6, right? Those are like the really good oil that helps with brain development, that helps with um, our body. Well, those fats, is it, it like, it's hard to produce, right? You got to fish for like actual fish. You got to like get your flax seeds for that right? Avocados, it's not cheap. <laughs> With yeah, inflation, yeah. right? Healthy foods, prices are on the rise. Well, it's not just inexpensive to produce, it also lasts a long time. How long does your avocado last on your counter? Yeah, not very long. Days. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you can't just leave a fish sitting in your cat cabinet for like six months at a time, right? Unless it's smoked and preserved. And so um, in addition to that, trans fat also gives food a desirable taste and texture. If it tastes good, people will eat it, right? They're not going to sure. produce something that tastes nasty. So also many restaurants use trans fat to deep fried foods because the oil with trans fat can be used many times in commercial fryers. So if you think about that, who knows how many times they've reused the same oil to fry that batch of fries, right? If we can stay away from trans fat as much as possible and consume, you know, the so-called quote-unquote healthier fats, then I think that's always a good idea, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I also just think, like you said before, it's important to keep in mind, like moderation on all those things, right? Because that's one of the things people, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of knock on keto again. People love <laughs> keto and it's a pretty high fat diet. And yes, they are seeing largely to go after some of those more healthy forms of fat, but it's still a lot of fat for your body. Um, and, and so it's just, it's just important to keep in mind that we want to consume kind of the right amount of fat. And, and there's kind of a, a range that you want your body to be in fat helps so many functions in our body. We need fat for hormones. Um, I mean, you touched before, but for our skin, for our heart, for all kinds of things uh, um, and helping us feel full and it also helps regulate hormones. So we want to make sure that we have an appropriate amount of fat for our body. Totally. Thank you for that. All right. Should we move on into our next segue? Yes. All right. So go ahead and talk about all alcohol. Okay. So to be perfectly honest, I don't have like much of a deep dive about alcohol. We talked about this a little bit last week as well, but each gram of alcohol is seven calories. So it is its own. So it is the fourth macronutrient, protein, carbs, fat, alcohol is the fourth. It's not typically counted because it is not considered essential for your body. Um, you might disagree with that. You might feel like it's essential for your body, but it is not an essential macronutrient for our body. Our bodies don't need alcohol. It is logged a little bit differently when you're tracking um, because it's you're basically going to track it either as carbohydrates or as fat or as a combination of the two. Don't have a ton about it. Like honestly, I don't I don't drink alcohol, so it's not something that I worry about a ton. I definitely would not consider myself an authority on alcohol. However, if any of my clients need more information about alcohol, how to log it or how to use it while doing macro counting, I do have guides for that. And I know that Annie, do you have anything you want to add to that? I think you did great. Thanks for that. Now we are going to talk about food locking and locking. Lock that food. <laughs> don't eat Lock it, it in. <laughs> Now we are going to talk about food logging with the G 
two G's actually, and tracking. But first, we need to learn to read nutritional labels and things that we need for tracking. So first off, nutritional label. What is a nutritional label? Nutritional labels are those, you know, black charts, you know, with lines. I don't know. What do you call it? Tables, tables, right? That's what you call it. (laughs) Okay. On packaged foods, you can usually find a label. This is when I wish we had like visuals, right? Like we can like hold it up and show our listeners, but you just have to use your imagination or go to your pantry and grab something right now. Okay. So there's different sections on the label. Usually on the very top, you have your serving size. So for example, it would say one cup is 227 grams or, you know, five ounces or something like that. And then they'll tell you how many servings per container. So it'll say four servings per container. So that means that in this container, we'll just say it's a container of nuts. You have four servings. Okay. And that means you can grab four of these, you know, one cup servings out of this container. And then you have your calories per serving. So your calories might say 360 calories for a cup of nuts. And usually it's probably measured in like tablespoons, right? So you have to be very Oh yeah. (laughs) I used to be like, oh, cashews are so healthy for you. So then I grab like, I take a container. Please don't ever do that. Okay. This okay. This was when I was a teenager. All right. (laughs) And I would grab the container. I'd be like one handful of honey cashews. Oh, it's good for me. I'm going to eat another handful of honey cashews, right? So the serving size would say like two tablespoons and it's like 80 calories. And I'm like, it's only 80 calories. Uh, In reality, I've eaten like three cupfuls of cashews and, you know, like multiply that by how many calories, right? So it's very important to uh, be mindful of your serving size. And, you know, like how many calories per serving. And this is why um, uh, when you're tracking, one thing that you really want to have is a food scale because you can always eyeball it, right? Like, oh, I can use a cup, but maybe your cup is made a little bit bigger than, you know, you got your cups at Dollar Tree and your one cup is actually a cup and a half. (laughs) Is that a thing? I don't know. Well, I do have to tell you, I've had a measuring tape and like, this is a measuring tape that I got from like a bra company that I purchased, like a nursing bra. And it came with like a little skinny measuring tape and I use it all the time. And I found out just a couple weeks ago that my measuring tape was actually the wrong measurements. I was trying to measure in millimeters and it was actually like measuring larger than it was. Luckily, I had like a couple of rulers that I grabbed and like double checked it. So I was just like, great. I already have trust issues. Now I have more trust issues. Like I can't even (laughs) trust the measuring tape. Seriously. So people check your measuring tapes. That's interesting. (laughs) No. But anyways, you just never know. So when you're weighing with the scale, it takes that, you know, user error out. Right. Because when you put. So let's say you put 30 grams of nuts on the scale, it's going to be the same 30 grams every time. Whereas if you measure like two tablespoons each time, sometimes you might have a little more than two tablespoons. Sometimes you might have a little less. Yeah. Okay. And like for like myself, I'm going to be honest, I'm usually going to have more in my tablespoon. Oh this. yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> two thirds a cup of caramel popcorn. That's about two thirds. Well, you got a factor for air. Exactly. So I got to fill the cup up more, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not eating air. Jeez. I already breathe that for free. (laughs) All right. Going back. Sorry. Sidetracked it. Okay. So then you have your sections where it talks about uh, your macros, your proteins, you know, how many grams of proteins and proteins usually at the end. So it's usually fats, you know, how many grams of fat, then you have your unsaturated, saturated fats or trans fat, then you have your carbs, and then fiber, and then you have your protein, they'll tell you how many grams. And then if you look on usually it's on the very right hand side of the table or the column, they'll give you a recommended percentage of daily value. So it'll say, you know, for milk, 
If you drink like two cups of milk, you've met 100% of your calcium, right? Just remember, those are always a recommendation. It's not the exact amount because, you know, once again, we're all different people. Some of us are taller than others, shorter than others in my case, you know, way more, way less. So that just gives you an idea um, of how much you should be consuming in a day. So we talked about having food scales and then we talked about measuring cubs. Those are good things to have when you're tracking food, you know, learning how to read nutritional labels. And then the last thing you need to have, you need to have the right mindset that tracking is so fun, so fun. Yay. And it's easy (laughs) and you can do it. (laughs) Yeah. So Annie Miller, we're going to have you talk about why we track macros versus just counting calories. Okay. So there's a couple different reasons why we track macros instead of just counting calories. So we already talked about the fact that we all know calories are a unit of energy. Okay. And the macros are the source of that energy. So macros, we talked about this last week. You're already eating macros. No matter what you're eating right now, you're eating some form of macros. Um, So why do we track calories? Well, we talked a little bit last week about our TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. And so having um, some awareness about the calories that you're consuming is just a great place to start. If you have no awareness about what you're even eating, then it goes back to like your example with the cashews, right? You're like, you didn't even know how many calories you were consuming. You thought cashews are great. I'm drinking cashews. Okay. So we do that sometimes. And then we're not aware of the calories that we're actually consuming. And that can be one of the reasons why maybe you gain weight, even though you feel like you're super clean or you're eating super healthy. Well, the serving size or the calories matter. Okay. So if you're just talking about losing weight, you can put yourself into a calorie deficit or reduce your calories, the total amount of calories you need, and you will lose weight. But when you focus on macros, it determines not just that weight is lost, but that it's that that you're using. Another reason why I like macros is because um, as we've talked about, we've gone really deep into the different reasons for protein, carbs, and fat, right? But when you start playing with those numbers and tweaking those numbers, um, it helps you get an appropriate amount of the micronutrients that your body needs as well. When you're just focused on tracking calories, most of the time you're not necessarily paying attention to, let's say how much fiber you're eating or um, even, you know, different vitamins that your body needs. But when you start tweaking those macro numbers and you're being more aware of that, then you're like, oh, I know that I need more carbs today. So that means I'm going to intentionally try to add in more, you know, fruits and vegetables or whatever it is, to try and hit that macro number. So that's another reason why I like macro tracking is because I feel like it really helps line things up, not just the macronutrients, but you're lining up the micronutrients that your body needs as well. Um, our bodies fluctuate a ton up and down throughout the day and throughout the course of a month, just because we're human, we don't eat the exact foods every day. We don't have the exact same energy expenditure expenditure throughout every single day. We don't have the exact same sleep or stress or whatever. So our bodies are going to fluctuate up and down, um, depending on our food, depending on our bowel movements. There's so many different things that cause those fluctuations. And so tracking macros can just kind of help you be a little bit more mindful about what's causing those fluctuations up and down in the scale. Um, Cutting out carbs is something that people typically see really fast weight loss when they cut out carbs and the number on the scale drops really fast, but that's partially because like we talked about last week, carbs hold water. So you're losing water weight. And typically speaking, most of us are actually, when, when we say we want to lose weight and we talked about this a little bit last week too, so sorry for any repeats, but what we're typically wanting is actually fat loss on our bodies. We like really weight loss. Um, we, we want to lose fat, most of us. And so having a higher protein diet, which is typically what macro tracking does, you're being more intentional to increasing that protein in your diet. It's going to help you be able to achieve a fat loss while you're not um, losing a ton of muscle. You will lose some muscle as you're losing weight, just as part of your body's process, you'll lose fat and you'll lose muscle, but you'll lose less muscle. If you're focusing on keeping your nutrition, um, your macros aligned, you're hitting a higher protein number. Another thing to keep in mind is that healthy, sustainable weight loss is typically a lot slower than we want it to be. It's half a pound or less really to two pounds a week. 
But even then, um, you might have times where even if you're in a calorie deficit, your scale goes up maybe because you, I don't know, went on a run yesterday and your body is storing some water in your muscles because of that run where you lifted muscle, lifted muscle, lifted weights. Um, so our body might store more water because of that. So it's important to track your food because then you'll be a little bit more aware of some of those things that might have made your scale go up. For me, initially tracking felt like a little bit of a chore. It felt like I could kind of, kind of yeah, a chore, a job, something that I had to do. And the more that I've tracked, the more it has kind of become uh, like almost a game for me. Uh, I like to create streaks on my fitness pal and log for so many days. Like that's kind of a game for me. I, I log in and I see like, Oh, you just hit 60 days of logging or whatever. And that is like kind of an excitement for me. Um, if you're not someone who wants to track every day for the rest of your life, I think that that's also okay. It's just important to recognize that at least for a short period of time, tracking can be really helpful because it just, um, tracking helps create awareness. It helps you know what you're putting in your body. Annie, can you tell us um, when you were talking about my fitness pal, what is my fitness pal? And is that the only way to track food? Oh yeah. So my fitness pal is just a food tracking app and there's a free version and there's a premium version. And I just use the free version. There are lots of different food tracking apps. There's, I mean, I, I know there's lose it. There's macro kitchen. Um, gosh, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them and a lot of them are free. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that one is better than the other. You can even use like Fitbit. If you have the Fitbit app on your phone, you can use that to track your food. The reason why I like my fitness pal is because it has a really large food database. And so that makes it really easy to track. Another important thing to recognize with tracking is that it is an estimate. You might notice, especially when you start tracking macros that your calories for the day and your macros might not necessarily line up because maybe the nutrition label rounded up or rounded down. And you're like, Oh, this has nine, I'm nine grams of fat, but the, the calories say that it's only this many calories. Uh, anyway. So the nutrition label is, is a tool to use tracking the tool to use. So I think that that's kind of important to use to remember is that all of these things that we're talking about, they are tools for you in your, um, in your journey, especially when you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight It's it's a helpful tool, but just like any other tool, like sometimes people become super obsessive with tracking or super obsessive with the scale. And those kinds of things can end up being a detriment to you rather than a tool. So you know, you can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to destroy a house. And so just kind of keeping in mind that your, your scale in the bathroom is a tool. It is not the end all to be all. It, it's one way to measure progress. Tracking food is one way to measure progress. Um, taking measurements, taking photos, tracking your sleep, tracking your water in, intake. Those are all great ways to just collect information or data about what's actually going on in your body. Um, and it might sound like a lot if we're, if you're going from never tracking food before, and now you're like, Hey, now I have to track calories and I have to track macros and I have to track my sleep. And whoa, this sounds like a lot of things that I have to keep track of. And the great thing is a lot of apps that you have might already be tracking some of those things for you. But if you start paying attention to them, you can just make more intentional choices. That was a lot of word vomit. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. And it's important to know that if, tracking everything is too overwhelming for you right now you can always just start with tracking calories right yes for sure most people know what calories are you know you you see the nutritional labels on top of the day the recommended calorie intake is what like you know 2000 to 2500 or something like that or 3000 right yeah so just start tracking your calories be mindful of what you are eating in a day, you know, you might think you're only eating 1800 calories when in reality, you're actually consuming 2800 calories, right? So it's that's a good place to start. And also, can you tell someone how how they can find out how many calories and macros they need to eat in a day? So there's tons of like free online tools that you can use. So you're going to use your your TDEE. Um, 
Again, that's your total daily energy expenditure. And that already factors in exercise. So when you factor that in, just know it already is including exercise. So you you can use that number and it's kind of going to spit out like your, your TDE is basically like your maintenance range of calories. So that's where you're going to start. And if you want to lose weight, you're going to put yourself in a deficit. And if you want to gain weight or gain muscle, you're going to put yourself in a surplus or you're going to maintain and you're going to keep it the same. So you can tweak your calories depending on that. So there's a whole process um, that goes into calculating your macros and it's really not as complicated as it sounds. And it is something that I um, have a tutorial of and we can put it in show notes. We do such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going to do such a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we can link it up and you can calculate your own macros. And, um, and that's a great place to start. And if you're uncertain on what to do or how to do it, you can always reach out to either one of us and we can help you count your macros too. That's something that both of us can do as coaches. And I'm all for doing it yourself and DIY. I'm, I'm a, you know, I can do it myself. I can look it up. I can Google. I can do all this, right? And it, it really isn't a hard process, but it's also important to note that um, that's why there's also value in reaching out to a coach because they, a coach has the knowledge and the, they've done the intensive research and everything is so personalized that, you know, you know, that when you reach out to a coach, when they calculate your macros, if that's something that one wants to do, you know, they are looking at not just your weight, your height, your body fat, which is what a calculator online does, right? You know, the coach also looks at your history, you know, do you have any medical history that we need to factor in? You know, like, what's your lifestyle like? Are you a carb lover, right? Do you absolutely hate carbs? Like, believe it or not, there are people out there that that hates cake and cookies and chocolate. And I know a few people like that. And sometimes I envy them, right? (laughs) Like, man, what's wrong with my taste buds? Why can't I hate ice cream and cookies? Because they're delicious. Bread's my kryptonite. Yes. Fresh homemade bread. Anyways, you know, like if, if that's something that you feel like you need to reach out to a coach, you know, that's always a good idea to get professional help, right? We don't, you know, we can all diagnose ourselves on WebMD or whatever it, it is called, but we still go into the doctor, don't we? So, you know, fitness, there are a lot of great coaches out there and there are a lot of not so great coaches out there, right? So maybe we should like do another podcast on, you know, things to look for in a nutritional or fitness coach. To help yeah, that's a good things. idea. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I think that pretty much does it. So just super quick recap. There's lots of information. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was like kind of froze. (laughs) Super quick recap, protein, fats, carbs, fiber, alcohol, food locking, tracking. You might be asleep for most of it (laughs) and you might be awake. Kudos to you if you hung in there and listened to the whole podcast with us today. But we really do appreciate you guys being here with us. And yeah. we enjoy, you know, talking about fitness and nutrition and everything else under the universe. That's right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>